I'm Renee Ritchie. And back about two months ago, Apple just, they just mass dropped a brand new Intel and AMD iMac on us. Crutone display, nano texture option, 10th generation Comet Lake processors, Radeon Pro RDNA 5000 graphics, up to 128 gigabytes of RAM, eight terabytes of SSD, a 1080p camera that's no longer a potato, but more like, I don't know, tasty, tasty put in a much better microphone, and a T2 coprocessor for real-time encryption, image and audio signal processing, and more. But it was also about two months after, after Tim Cook announced the advent of Apple Silicon Macs. So yeah, awkward, a little, maybe, especially if you're just Judge Judy slapping away your watch waiting dot GIF GIF for those new Apple Silicon Macs, some models of which might take up to two years to get here. And if you need to do real desktop class work, like right now, big screen, big silicon, big boot camp or Windows VM especially, and yeah, big budget if you just take that iMac to iMacs, well, how well were the Intel and AMD iMacs do for you? Well, I've got Mary Spender of YouTube, Nebula, and music fame with me right here. We're gonna tell you all about it, and we're gonna do it right now. Sponsored by CuriosityStream with Nebula. I use uh, the iMac for Final Cut Pro, you know, if not every day, then certainly multiple times a week. And I was coming mm-hmm. from a 16-inch MacBook Pro, which is really powerful. The screen is fairly large, but I hadn't used an iMac for a while, and I was blown away by how big that screen is still. I know, I know. It's a, it's a lot of surface area. And then also just being able to film a bigger screen, being able to film this, it's it's like a portal. It's yes. just, it's madness. <laughs> I remember seeing the original 5K iMac back when the world hadn't ended and we could go to events and it looked like I could <laughs> fall into it. And then they made it uh, DCI-P3, the, the wider color gamut, and it looked better than real life to me. And now they have the mm-hmm. nano texture. And I know it's a little divisive. Some people prefer the glossy display. Some people don't like the glare. So they, they like the matte display, but they think that it always reduces contrast or maybe the diffusion pattern. They can they, they think they can see it or they can see it. But mm-hmm. I've, I have the nano display here and it's been terrific because I have windows all around me. I live on a river and it's just different glare, different times of the day. And this has shut all of that down. Yeah, I guess, you know, certain things about Apple products are so divisive for some people just because everyone has a different use. So for us, making content every day, we have lights. We have lights, different different angled lights, then being able to, I open these curtains sometimes, having natural light, and then also wanting to film a screen. So I I did actually purchase a 27-inch iMac, not as souped up as this one obviously is, uh, in April because I wanted to do a live stream off it for 24 hours. So I put it through its paces. But now having this machine, which is four times more powerful in, in terms of specs, in terms of what I had, and then also the nanotexture glass, I just, I realized like how easy it can make my life. There are certain things that you just need to work as a content creator, which other people just don't need. But that's kind of the coolest thing about the iMac, you know, being able to have a relatively, I mean, it's still not quite so entry level because it's still quite expensive. You know, what is it, $1,700 starting (laughs) point to be able to, to be able to super up to, you know, being very, very pricey indeed. It's just like, that's such a broad range. Yet, Everyone can have this size display. They can have the nano texture. They can choose not to have it, whatever. It's just like, 
it's a remarkably flexible thing. I think that's where this really pays off because if you're doing, if you have a very controlled environment, you're sitting, you're writing code, uh, you're doing editing, and you can angle a regular display so that you don't have any glare, you don't have any issues with it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think when you're on, in production or when you're being forced to work from home, or maybe you're on a set and it's on a, it's on a cart and you never know from one moment mm-hmm. to the next where the sun is, where, where the practical lighting is, where the production lighting is, not having to worry about that, especially for me in here, has been a real boon. So I'm, it's a $500 upsell, not quite as expensive as the ProDisplay XDR upsell for nanotexture, mm-hmm. but for me, it's been absolutely worth it. I mean, it was the first thing that obviously you notice when you, when you get it out of the box in comparison to the my older model. And I just sort of didn't realize like what I what I could be missing. So this is also divisive. Uh, the True Tone aspect. I really like True Tone. And I know some people don't like that because they feel like they've lost control of their color management. And if they're doing color grading or photo editing, they're not sure it's the real image that they're seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I understand turning it off for those sorts of things, especially if you're in a perfectly lit, perfectly set up studio. I keep it on majority of the time, but as soon as I'm color grading, which again is something not everyone needs to do, right? So not everyone is making videos every day, but just sort of since venturing into using Final Cut, because I'm, I'm pretty new to Final Cut and my God, has it revolutionized my workflow in terms of actually making content. But yeah, I, I was making a few uh, terrible choices with color grading <laughs> while it was on. I like it for reading. So I like it for reading the web, reading anything mm. that I need to on the screen. And then, yeah, if I'm in Final Cut Pro, I turn it off. And I'm interested because Final Cut for me is so fast in general. I come from you know old style nonlinear editors. And when I switch to Final Cut Pro, I always look at benchmarks with a sort of a grain of salt because they are synthetic. But to me, the ability to go from beginning to end of work, like I import my video and then I export and upload it. And if it can make my life faster from going from beginning point to end point, to me, that's a huge win. And just the size of the screen here and the power of the processor, the GPU acceleration, every one of those things has made Final Cut on the iMac just a real joy to use. Even the storage, because I'm doing really large 4K videos now, and I don't have to worry about an external drive being disconnected or just anything wonky happening. It's just working right now. The workflow on it is so ridiculously quick. And now I'm dealing with more 4K footage. I sort of switch um, just in terms of what content I'm shooting. But also being able to just have so many different versions of the same file with what we're dealing with now, it's just so remarkably quick. Every time I talk to other filmmakers and, you know, they do see like the creative cloud as a a sort of staple within the professional filmmaking industry. And it is, and it is extraordinary. And I've done magical things using it. But I think as soon as people step away from thinking that Final Cut is is basically like a glorified version of iMovie and realize how optimized for Macs, like if you're using a Mac, using Final Cut, it just makes sense. And obviously I see YouTubers now just as legitimate as traditional filmmakers. I'm like, these guys are making more videos. They're reaching more people with their films. And, you know, as soon as I saw Marcus Brownlee using Final Cut, obviously, with all his incredibly high-res stuff, and he's just like, oh, yeah, and it just works. I was like, 
okay, I should probably look into this. I appreciate the IMAX size because especially if I'm doing multicam, if there is like for this, I'm going to be doing multicam where I have a shot of both of us, a shot of just you, a shot of just me. And it's it's way powerful enough to handle all that. And it's got enough storage space because if anything, I found Final Cut can be really thirsty when it comes to making all of the rendered files uh, that save you time later, but consume a lot of disk space now. The multicam aspect and using that in Final Cut has completely changed my workflow for cover songs where I will do three angles and just be able to chop them up so yeah. quickly. I cannot believe it. And actually the difference with this one in comparison to my older 27 inch was just the processing time of having all the angles up on screen. Cause obviously that can take uh, quite a lot of effort. And you can see the angles on the IMAX screen. You can see all three angles at the same time, which is much harder on a laptop. I know. And it, I, I don't really like the idea of having multiple monitors because same. I've worked with that before. It just doesn't really work for me. But having just one clear view, especially being able to have my speakers, my, my monitor, you know, the big Adam A7Xs, if I had a dual screen, they'd be far too far apart for what I'm yes. doing just in my tiny little studio. And I, I make more videos than I do music, but I was using Logic for 10 okay. years, you know, and yeah. st I still do use Logic. And it's very, very exciting for a musician slash video maker just to be able to have everything in, in one box and just, and just work. Ugh, it's just a dream. I've only ever used Logic to edit podcasts, and that's fairly mm -hmm. similar between MacBook and iMac. How has Logic been on the iMac for you? So at the moment, I produced one track on it. So I'm quite slow moving with my music making in comparison to videos. So videos, I'll make a video a week. You just need things to be able to work. And I, I actually do use a lot of the inbuilt plugins. I do use Universal Audio stuff um, as my interface, and I do have a few of their plugins too. But I'm very like, when I was making music on a very, very, very tight budget, I became very familiar with all the inbuilt plugins. So now being able to have absolutely no limit on basically what I want to make my track sound like, it's quite extraordinary. Yeah, the big things to me, just from observing it, is the number of tracks you can see at once on the screen without having to scroll, scroll, mm -hmm. scroll, 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 scroll. And then also because the RAM limits are so high now that the amount of virtual instruments and plugins and all of those things seems, like you said, to be, if not infinite, then I imagine if John Williams is working from home right now, he might be maxing out what you can do on Logic on an iMac. That would be my Oh, yeah. God. Yes. If anyone's doing any string <laughs> library work or anything like that, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a challenge for the future for me. <laughs> Apple's done a lot of work to make the built-in elements of the iMac better. They have a really good webcam for a change. A lot of us have been making fun of the mm -hmm. web cameras in Macs for a while. This is a good 1080p camera. Yep. It's got the T2 image signal processor, so it's doing a, a really good job of pulling out a really good quality image. It's got speakers mm -hmm. that I believe are the same hardware, but again, it's using the T2 chips audio signal processor to make that sound ever, even better. And they have what they're calling mm -hmm. studio quality mics uh, so that they mm -hmm. promise like sort of USB quality mics if you forget your fancy mic and you just need to have a call or record uh, some dialogue. I mean, I use them all the time. So there are some, yes, I have a great interface. I have my SM7, which I love using for certain aspects, podcasting, whatever. But I bought the 27 inch initially to be able to do a 24 hour live stream. And 
I did have to use an external USB and I did have to use an external webcam because, yes, it did look like it was, you know, shooting on a potato. It just sort of saves time. And I'm pretty lazy for a content creator. There are some times where I just don't want to set up everything and I don't want (laughs) to... Yeah, sorry, yes. I'm more efficient. That's that's what we'll say. What I want to do is do more tests. So actually, I've been thinking about live streaming um, just, you know, from from the 27-inch straight off, no webcam. Um, I've been doing it over calls, but I haven't done a proper YouTube live stream in quite some time. And I just, I just want to put it through its paces doing that. So my takeaway is I know some people are waiting on Apple Silicon, specifically an Apple Silicon iMac, which we've now gotten to the point mm-hmm. where I think people are making Blade Runner style mock-ups for what they expect it to look like. But we really don't know mm-hmm. when it's arriving. It could be next year. It could be the year after. And I think with this iMac, if anyone is really interested in content creation, large scale, doing big Final Cut, big logic, you know, sort of anything that fills up the screen, I think this is a really good iMac. I, I don't know if this is trite to say, but it is the best of that generation. It's as good as the Intel iMacs are ever going to get. You know, I just need things to work. And if I can make my life as easy as I possibly can, then this is the way to do it because I'm an iMac user already. I know, you know, silicon coming in. I know that some people will hold out for that. And obviously it just, you know, depends. What do you need? If you need a good and good tool, a good tool for content creation right now, then this is probably something to look at and you can spec it out however, one, your budget allows and two, what you're actually using it for. Thanks, Mary. You can catch her at youtube.com slash Mary Spender. And you can catch both of our iMac reviews ad and sponsor free right on Nebula. Nebula is a streaming video platform we're building with a bunch of thoughtful creator friends like Jordan Harrod, Ali Abdal, Adam Neely, 12-Tone, Tech Alter, Legal Legal, and just many, many more. It's a place where where we don't need to worry about demonetization or the tyranny of click-through rates or watch time or algorithms or, like I said, ads. And you can find all of my videos there completely ad-free, sometimes with extra bonus content. Georgia Dow and I just rebooted our podcast, and you can get both the video and the audio version of it on Nebula each and every week with special bonus topics. Yeah, we're diving deep into the technology and psychology of Apple and other companies like Facebook, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, all the tech giants that affect all of our lives. And on Nebula, you don't just get the Apple topic and the tech topic. You also get the bonus topic. Last week, it was about Georgia and electric bikes and my reaction to the Dune trailer. This week, well, check it out. But hang on. What does all of this have to do with CuriosityStream? Well, As the go-to source for the absolute best documentaries on the internet, they just love educational content and creators. And we worked out a deal where if you sign up for CuriosityStream with the link in the description, not only will you get CuriosityStream, you'll also get a Nebula subscription for free. And for a limited time, CuriosityStream is offering 26% off all of their annual plans. And 26% off is, by contract, the best deal you'll find anywhere. So... Click the link in the description and get both CuriosityStream and Nebula for 26% off. Or you can go to curiositystream.com slash Renee Ritchie. It's a great way to support this channel and educational, thoughtful content directly for just $14.79 per year. Per year. Click on the link in the description or go to curiositystream.com slash Renee Ritchie. And clicking on that link just really helps out this channel. 
for a ton more on the upcoming Apple Silicon Macs. Hit subscribe button and bell, and then click on the playlist above. I'm deep diving on everything coming our way. So click the playlist, and I'll see you next video.